Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruski, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And welcome to the last week of summer. It's Labor Day weekend. And Robert Craig, our Executive Director, is with us. Robert, good to have you. Uh, happy Labor Day, everyone. And just on the end of summer, whatever the official date is different with the with climate change, I think the Wisconsin summer really in terms of the weather has uh, has gone, goes later now, well into September. So it's not quite over, but we're certainly at the two minute warning. Well, it is Labor Day weekend and we are going to spend some time on the show talking about the state of labor. And of course, Labor Day weekend means the general election, the November general election is heating up. We'll talk more about that. And of course, in this current state of America and Wisconsin, the attack on democracy never ends. And we're going to talk more about the latest efforts from the right wing and Republicans to basically uh, sow distrust in our democratic structures. But Robert, it's Labor Day weekend and uh, Monday, of course, Labor Day. want to encourage folks to get out and if you can, attend and participate one of the many Labor Day events throughout the state of Wisconsin. A lot of the labor unions and labor councils put on excellent events throughout throughout Wisconsin and uh, a lot of the towns. Uh, in Milwaukee this year, it was just announced this week that uh, President Biden will be coming to speak at the Labor Fest on the Summerfest grounds in Milwaukee. And also the president of the National AFL-CIO will also be in Milwaukee. So big weekend here in Milwaukee and throughout the state. Robert, the state of labor, the big the big news that's going around is the, the, the new poll that Gallup put out. And I want to get your thoughts on it to start our conversation here about the state of labor. Um, the highest rates of support for unionization that we have seen in over 50 years, it's been a long time, 71% of the uh, American public supports labor unions right now. Um, Robert, this is the highest level since 1965. Uh, this has got to be good news for labor. Well, just like we, it's very good news for labor. It's promising, but it's like a lot of what we're doing. It helps us build what we need to build, but we need structural changes as well. We need to be able to hold both thoughts. Uh, workers are crying out for unions. Uh, we have in the last 40 years created an economy that is worse and worse for workers and more and more of the wealth of this country has been expropriated, stolen by the top 0.1% by the wealthiest corporations. And uh, anti-union busting has been part of it. They have twisted and tied with their money because big income inequality leads to the end of democracy because it's used against democracy to make labor law into nothing like the statutes the National Labor Relations Act was meant to, to be, which was to protect a right to the worker to organize. And the right barely exists. If, uh, we are not, we don't, we don't have free association rights according to independent international monitors such as uh, Human Rights Watch and others who look at labor rights across the world. Very few Americans know that. And these polls, the gap reflects this map. So you have record support for labor unions, workers taking tremendous risks at Starbucks, at Amazon's, now at Chipotle, facing coercion, surveillance, illegal firings. In fact, Starbucks, just a federal judge just a couple of weeks ago, uh, ordered Starbucks to reinstate a number of employees that were legally fired 
These big, big, rich corporations see that just as a cost of doing business. Doesn't cost them much, actually. The penalties are too low. And so the, the, there's a gap. We, even though there's more organizing um, and really hard organizing going on with workers taking the risks, we still had labor density, that is the percentage of workers that are in unions in this country, decline over the last year. And they declined dramatically uh, by, by, near, by about 50% since the turn of the century. And we've seen it in Wisconsin even worse. So what we need, Matt, is we need to celebrate what these workers are doing. They are leading the revival that would create a much more progressive America and, 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 a, and a democratic economy. But we understand we need to do our job, which is fix labor law. We need filibuster prevents us from doing it. We need to protect, pass the Protector Right to Organize Act. And the only way to do it is to end the filibuster. And the only way to do that is to get at least two more net senators uh, that would do that in the U.S. Senate, including Mandela Barnes and John Fetterman in Pennsylvania, hold the other seats, hold the House. And we have a well, chance to do that now. So, Robert, it's it's interesting. The numbers look, the numbers on where the public are at is, is pretty impressive. If you consider that just in 2009, that same number that is now 71% support was 49%. So you're seeing a massive swing, uh, unlike any time that we have seen, quite frankly, in you know decades, decades, uh, in terms of the level of support. And I think the pandemic really helped lay bare a lot of this. And as you mentioned already, Robert, the courageous workers uh, in the service industries that are, have been organizing and have gotten a lot of uh, significant publicity. And yes, I do think this election is very important. But to me, the, the critical thing for labor is leaning in and labor as a structure and organization, uh, really leaning into this moment. Because yes, while there is 71% support, this poll also does show that a lot of folks still outside of labor still don't majority still don't see that they need a union. And so there's still, you know, obviously a lot of work to be done. And, and, and but that requires organization and support. And we've talked about this before, Robert, right? It's we need we need to have a, a smart strategic melding of uh, the organic and very real worker uprising that has been going on uh, uh, since the pandemic started in this country, combined with the uh, structure, strategy, and resources of organized labor and the institutional labor uh, cap capitalizing on this moment and, and having a, a large-scale worker movement. One other thing, Robert, too, that I want to get your thoughts on uh, is what happened in California. Um, I believe it was this week. It may have been last week, but the Senate passing legislation that could bring a form of like sectoral bargaining that would give potentially service workers like fast food workers opportunity to uh, see significant increase in wages. Um, your thoughts on this? This uh, is a very important aspect potentially of um, growing labor strengths. What sectoral bargaining is, is it allows you to have market leverage. And the problem, if you, I mean, it's great what the Starbucks workers are doing, right? There'll be a very small percentage of Starbucks workers that they have to win elections shop by shop. And in addition, there'll be a small percentage of all service workers and all baristas, for that matter, and other coffee store employees. Therefore, they can't really drive wages very far above the average and be successful. They can protect workers from discrimination, abuse, you know, differential treatment. 
um, unjust firings. So they're still valuable. But if you're going to move wages, you need sectoral bargaining. You can get it either by creating the structures for it, like California is doing. You can also do it simply by organizing enough of an industry, like the auto industry and the steel industry in this country uh, during the, the 1930s and 40s became almost entirely union and enough union. It's, they think the number is about 25% of an overall workforce, say all steel workers, for example, in the country to actually drive wages and benefits. And so we need to think about these structures. So I applaud California and the labor leaders there and the progressive politicians there for thinking that way. And let me just ask you, because I think when we are, are, are forced to be out of power in Wisconsin, because we can't hold the legislature because of these court decisions, but we need to overturn those uh, undemocratic structures as well, Matt, why aren't the Democrats and why aren't they being pushed running, saying, making clear that they'll return collective bargaining rights for public employees, which devastated the, the uh, family supporting jobs in the state and overturn right to work and overturn the uh, the attack on prevailing wage, the other uh, private sector union protections. Uh, and why aren't we talking about sectoral bargaining here, Matt? I think that we can't trust a new Democratic majority in the mid-20s if we can get there, the 2020s, to do it if they're not committed to it and don't talk about it when they're out of power. Well, it's, it's obviously a huge challenge. And Robert, we know that just because someone has a D behind their name does not mean that they support union organizing. In fact, in California, while I believe the legislature is at least two thirds, three quarters Democratic, this, uh, this thing barely passed the Senate. Um, Mary Kay Henry from SEIU, the president of SEIU, remains very optimistic that Gavin Newsom will sign this. Um, but yeah, Robert, I mean, that, that answers your question, right? It took uh, three quarters of a Democratic majority just to get this uh, through California. But you're absolutely right. It is the vision. We ought to be doing it. And, you know, look, politicians are creatures of uh, public opinion. And having polling like this that is showing a, a, a drastic change in how public the public perceives this hopefully will uh, embolden politicians to be bolder than, than they have been in their support for labor. And Robert, any... Yeah, yes. they'll have to take risks. Starbucks is suing the National Labor Relations Board, demanding mail balloting being stopped at stores because they're claiming the National Labor Relations Board is biased and uh, taking biased actions in favor of the, the unionizing workers. So this tells you, this is an example of how hard this concentrated wealth in corporate America is going to fight to prevent this. And we need leaders in the Democratic Party and progressive leaders who understand this is the key to building future progressive power and saving democracy as well, and that we need to take risks to take that power. With that, we have to take a break. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin, where Citizen Action. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. It's Labor Day weekend. We are talking about labor. Robert, right before we went to break, you were talking, you know, of course, about the tremendous amount of power it, it, it takes to, to, to succeed, to build a union. You mentioned the Starbucks workers. Um, look, to put it in perspective, folks, there's been a huge success with Starbucks organizing. We're still just around 200, which is a lot. Uh, shops organized. That is not enough to drive sectoral power. So uh, it is why. Uh, things like what's happening in California are su super important. And I think it is worth recognizing um, 
the folks that in and all of the workers behind the fight for 15 fight that's been going on now for a decade in this country and the vision behind that that has helped drive this discussion i mean the idea that california could be talking about 22 dollars an hour for fast food workers as on was unheard of a decade ago and it is because of the organizing and hard work and the strategic vision uh, of the folks behind that effort. And, you know, SEIU, I don't think has gotten a single union member out of that, but to be in discussions and potentially have Gavin Newsom sign uh, something like this, that is, um, it shows you the power and the vision behind organizing. And um, it is really critical that all of us inside and outside of the labor movement really support an emboldened um, uh, union movement. Because without it, it is really, really hard to envision how we build a movement uh, and a political movement that can check corporate power. Robert, you get the last word on uh, Labor Day. Yeah, it's a more promising Labor Day than we've had in a long time, but we also need to be aware of what we need to restore the middle class and restore workplace democracy. I just want to add to what I said. If you were to unionize the service sector, there's no reason these shouldn't be good jobs. Manufacturing jobs were not good jobs until unions made them good jobs. They were ter terrible jobs. And so there's no, no naturally good job. Manufacturing jobs actually are, have declined in value. They're not what they used to be because they've been deunionized. I'm talking about in the United States. And so there's a, there, there's a lot of promise because it has to be driven by courageous workers and that's happening. But then there's a lot more to do and there needs to be a lot more courage from the establishment and a recognition of exactly what we're up against. The massive union busting industry that pulls out all the stops and is paid a princely ransom by these by huge corp companies like Amazon and Starbucks. This is making fortunes for people and they're buying multiple lake houses with them. That is what is going on in this country right now as we speak on Labor Day. I do predict, to his credit, President Biden has been the most pro-labor president since at least the 1960s. And uh, President Biden, I predict, will say at, at, at Milwaukee Labor Fest, where you're speaking, to give him a Senate that will pass to protect the Right to Organize Act. We wouldn't have got that, unfortunately, from a President Clinton, a President Obama, or President Carter, for that matter. So the whole post-Watergate period. So, and I think that the left needs to understand if we unionize these workers, this will be a younger, black and brown, very heavily diverse, a lot of women workforce. This will be a new labor movement that will superpower uh, uh, grassroots progressivism. Right now, there's far too much being put on uh, groups that do not have access to resources like Cincinnati, Wisconsin, because unions have been destroyed. This builds a, a union movement that actually could help us win all the structural reforms we need in this country. And hey, oh, Brewer fans, we should we should be really proud that we have uh, Brent Suter on our team. He is the um, rep for the Milwaukee Brewers for the Players Association and has also been uh, a real leader and supporter of the effort, which this week was successful. The Major League Baseball players are now going to be trying to organize over 5,000 minor league baseball players who, for people who don't know anything about the minor league baseball system, it's really brutal, um, brutal conditions, very low pay. I'm talking like $400 a week for some of these folks. Um, and it actually... And uh, Brent Suter speaks about this. It's really horrible for the sport in terms of its racial equity. 
the folks who leased can be able to struggle through the miners for years under their system. It really hurts their ability to keep um, folks who just can't, you know, stay at mom's place or have parents that can support them through uh, what should be a professional system that is benefiting the major league. So shout out to, to all those players organizing in the minor leagues at Starbucks everywhere it's absolutely critical and you're you are certainly inspiring the american public i there's no doubt these polling numbers are reflective of people's sense that um this can't be done so um solidarity to everyone and including all the nurses uh at uw uh that we talked about last week again folks please support the nurses at uw robert you mentioned it uh, joe biden's coming to labor fest and that's because uh, Labor Day is really, quite frankly, the kickoff uh, traditionally to the fall election season. I know it's been kind of nonstop, but it's only going to uh, I- increase. And uh, we have huge, two just got gigantic races, both the U- United States Senate race between Mandela Barnes and Ron Johnson, but also our governor's race. And there was certainly news this week, Robert, on what's really been now a blistering attack on Mandela Barnes now for a couple of weeks. Um, Robert, your thoughts on the latest? Well, we knew the attack on Mandela Barnes was going to take place, the sliming of Mandela Barnes, because Ron Johnson is so vulnerable, so unpopular, unpopular in the most way, worst way a politician can be. Most voters don't think he cares about or represents people like them. And, you know, and that's why the attack that he did things such as held up the whole Trump tax cut to get a special additional loophole for two billionaire funders of his in Wisconsin, Richard Eline and, and Diane Hendricks, and that also benefited himself, why that has, it's devastating because then, and also devastating is Ron Johnson's unforced error that, hey, let's put Social Security and Medicare at risk every year. And so he all he can do is try to make uh, Mandela Barnes completely unelectable. And he gave a kind of ranting speech defending himself, saying that he's just trying to protect the country's future by preventing, you know, a deficit disaster. Apparently, that wasn't an issue when we did the Trump tax cuts, totally unfunded, and ma- and did and and massively increased the deficit. He didn't care about Social Security and Medicare then. And by the way, they're not threatened by the deficit because. <laughs> Quite frankly, we have a Federal Reserve Board. We're a currency-issuing country. With the Congress can pay the bill, even if it's a deficit on Medicare and Social Security, if they want to, just like we do without any additional revenue on defense spending and big billionaire tax cuts. So the Republicans like Ron Johnson aren't even serious about the deficit. It's a big lie to prevent things we need. But the lies about Mandela Barnes, which is what you were asking about, Matt, are, of course, that he wants to defund the police, like he's running on that. Ron Johnson actually said he wants to subject Social Security and Medicare to annual appropriation in the, in the, in the budget and have to pass both houses of Congress through a potential filibuster, right? And um, also um, that he's going to end ICE. He is not running on any of those, either of those things. And in fact, Matt, uh, I am concerned about journalists, professional journalists, in their effort to be fair giving too much credence to complete propaganda from the right, because they don't want to look, be called by the right, though they will be anyway. It's their effort at balance, that ridiculous effort at trying to say that they're balancing, which means they often just 
end up being a mouthpiece for garbage. So we've had a series of Dan Vice stories, you know, kind of fake scandals on Mandela Barnes uh, that in the name of balance. I mean, they're not like the Ron Johnson scandal, such as he tried to convey the, uh, the two slates of false electors from Pennsylvania and Wisconsin to Vice President Pence to, uh, to actually overturn the election, the fair election of President Biden. Nothing like that. They're nothing like that. And the latest one is that Mandela Barnes, a lot more was spent on his security than Rebecca Clayfish. Have we not noticed there is a violent right-wing movement, FBI data shows this, that is making threats to everyone, is terrifying and making death threats to librarians and election officials, um, to Anthony Fauci, the, uh, the, the top, you know, one of the most respected medical experts in our country and public servants, and what they're going to say to the first lute Black lieutenant governor who's also running for U.S. Senate. So that's not a scandal at all, but they feel like they could, they need to make it. And I, I may reach out to him, but Bill Glauber, who is a very solid reporter for the Journal Sentinel, he says in the story on Johnson, with it, no quote, so this is like stated as news fact, that there are five groups that support defunding the police to have endorsed Mandela. I want to find out what that definition definite is. I bet you it includes Citizen Action in Wisconsin. And you know what? Look at our platform. We do not call for defunding the police. We never have. We call for criminal justice reform. And if they're going to say defunding the police is criminal justice reform, boy, that's a political statement. And that's, that's what the right has made it. You should definitely reach out to Bill on that. I saw that and I was right away wondering, wow, I, I didn't know there were five <laughs> groups that do political endorsements in Wisconsin that actually had come out for defunding police. That was news to me. Anyways, yeah, no, Robert, it's it's absolutely right on. Um, look, we, I think everybody knows, we are super involved in this race. Um, we have a uh, paid deep canvas team that's been making calls and they are picking up on this noise that is going on in the race. And this stuff is getting traction. It is impacting. And we're hearing uh, voters parrot back some of these things. In particular, they're, the stuff that is we're hearing that's the most effective um, is the stuff around income tax uh, and whether he uh, Mandela paid income tax. So there's all kinds of stuff uh, floating around. But folks, this is all small ball stuff. And what's really important about it is that we all stay engaged, particularly talking to our friends and our neighbors. And you know, you know, folks out there in your networks that are undecided, that are folks that either need motivation, uh, that are either moved by uh, this garbage on the TV, stay in conversation with them. It is how we're going to win this election. We need to be talking to voters. You need to volunteer. And we've got signups connected to this podcast. We are doing weekly phone banking every Wednesday night. They started again last night on the 31st and starting uh, uh, the, the next weekend, we're going to be on the doors in just about every region where we have co-ops. So folks, please sign up, get involved. You've got to talk to voters. Don't sit on the sidelines. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Robert, before we transition, want to give you just last last words on state of play here with uh, Mandela Barnes. Um, buckle up. We need to volunteer, like Matt said. We need to do our job, our agency. We, we know what they're going to do. We can't stop it. Citizens United has allowed them to have unlimited dark money. There are no ethics or norms left. 
Uh, there have been very few for a while. Think about the Willie Horton ad, but it's gotten worse every cycle. And so do not believe the Marquette poll that Mandela's up seven points. Remember in 2016 and 2020, the Wisconsin polls were wrong. And some pollsters like Stanley Greenberg, a very well-respected well pollster who is one of Bill Clinton's top pollsters, but is more progressive than Clinton, uh, says that he's just adding five or six points to all of his polls to account for the MAGA surge that pollsters have not been able to measure. And Trump and Michaels, if there were ever two MAGA candidates at the top of a ticket to get the Trump MAGA surge, these are the two. Give, give the Republicans credit. There's a method to their madness. And also, let's lean in on what really works on Ron Johnson. Obviously, I think the Social Security and Medicare thing tells you something about his values. I think that he was willing to get that special carve out and hold up the Trump tax cut for himself and two billionaires who have given millions to his campaigns is very descriptive. And let me just give a little shout out to us punky kind of spunky grassroots groups, right? We actually, without any money behind it, it was just on YouTube, did the first ad about that tax carve out and it got some good viral attention. Now folks with money, these independent outside groups, I count three ads so far, so far, Matt, focused on this, including the Democratic Senate Campaign Committee. So we do play a role as grassroots groups in setting the agenda for those who can buy millions of dollars of TV ads. And so uh, we got to keep doing that, and not just as an action, but this is one I know about because we were right in the middle of it, Matt. So, but we, but, but this is all about us and our agency to save democracy. We have to save it. They will destroy it if they can. They will put Ron Johnson back in for another six years if they can, and they'll stop at nothing to get there. And they will take every advantage possible that Mandela Barnes, despite our progress, is a black man in America in a, in a supermajority white state. And they're going to pull out all of the sleazy stops imaginable to scare people about Mandela like they tried with Obama and failed. Again, people, the only the only way we can push back is to have really empathetic conversations with voters out there. Um, we're doing it all the time. So please sign up, RSVP, uh, get in the game. Robert, I, we got, I want to talk about uh, the governor's race because uh, Tim Michaels Foundation got some attention this week. I, I got to say, I'm not shocked. I mean, should we be surprised to find out that this Trumper millionaire who, you know, is as mega as it gets, basically, you know, refused to say that he wouldn't overturn the 2020 presidential election? that this guy would also be uh, and his foundation would be anti-abortion and anti-LGBTQ. But uh, yeah, that's, that seems to be the news par for the course with these mega folks, Robert, uh, Tim Michaels and his foundation. Unlike the security detail for Mandela Barnes, which was determined by the state security experts, what was necessary given the threat level, right? To Mandela and how active he is in the community. This is a real issue. Voters need to know that this man has bankrolled the anti-abortion movement million millions of dollars. Uh, people that that should have that is a voting issue, right? A huge voting issue. Uh, their attitude on LGBTQ plus community, same thing. I mean, funding people who have absolutely heinous views on on that on that community on anything that's not heteronormative. Um, and you got it with Ron Johnson. That it is an important piece of news that we've seen it with Ron DeSantis, we've seen it with Republican governors and legislatures in red states across the country, 
they've identified as their new anti-gay issue uh, not to be gay marriage, though obviously that's on the table too, given what uh, Clarence Thomas said in his uh, concurring opinion in the Supreme Court, but they're going after trans people because the way the right-wing conspiracy, fear-mongering, othering works is they find the next unpopular group. So they've moved off gay marriage or tried to, though they can't fully get off because the evangelical wing, they're not attacking gay men like me who, uh, who, who you know, present as men and, and are indistinguishable from heterosexual men in a crowd or at a ball game. They're going after transgendered people because they can get people to hate them and fear them. And they just keep moving the ball so they can find another way to generate hatred and get that reaction, get people to vote against their interests. And it's not disgusting what the people uh, the Michaels Foundation has supported are saying. Ron Johnson in his defending himself and going on the attack speech carried on about how threatening trans kids are and how you know that boys are coming in and taking over women's sports. I never thought I'd live long enough. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, it was along those lines. To see such a thing, thank you, great statesman Senator Johnson for leaning in on hatred and bigotry. Well, Robert, I, you know, I got to say, you know, we at the beginning of this year talked about the huge headwinds that the Democrats were facing nationally. But this appears to be changing. We've been talking about this now for the last month. Um, what happened in Kansas? Uh, we've had a number uh, the New York uh, a, a special election. And yesterday, Alaska, Alaska. Palin lost. Robert, should we, how, how excited should people be about this? I mean, obviously, this is great news. It shows that this isn't just a foregone conclusion that Democrats are going to get wiped out the way I think people felt it was at the beginning of the year. But um, I'm, you know, my sense is we're still a long way away from anyone should be feeling very good. But uh, this does appear to be uh, an unusual environment that we're in nationally uh, right now. Yes, and I, I've said it before in Battleground, Wisconsin, the Republicans have been so good at rigging the system to hold power that they've managed to deny President Biden incumbency status because people understand they're the ones who took away the right, the, a fundamental constitutional right from women, that they're the ones who are threatening other constitutional rights, that they're the ones they're defending Donald Trump's uh, ongoing efforts to destroy constitutional republic and the basic last remaining uh, elements of democracy. So overall, um, that what's happened is, is that's become a jump ball. Uh, Matt and I are both, you, you and I are both sports fans. Let's say it's college basketball game. Let's say, I don't know, Wisconsin Badgers are playing the number one ranked team in the country. Let's say it's Duke. If you were down, you know, 20 points and then you came back and tied the game late, that's where you say we got a chance to win. That's not when you say we got it, right? Because then you lose. You do not have it yet, but you have a chance to have it when you didn't before. And the new Wall Street Journal poll that came out Thursday morning shows this. Democrats have surged massively since March, but you're talking about a three-point generic margin between Democrats and Republicans, who people would vote for. And that is the margin a lot of experts think is necessary to overcome the gerrymandering in the House. So that might lead to a House majority of one or two votes one way or the other. That's a jump ball. Say Senate races, we are winning. 
we, well, we're, we're I, I would say we're tied in Wisconsin. We're leading in Pennsylvania. We're a little behind, in, but we're a little behind in Georgia. Uh, and we're, in, we're and we have very competitive race in Nevada. Arizona looks better at the moment, but you don't know. We could plus two seats, which is what we need to actually overcome the filibuster now, the guarding majority. But uh, this is, I think, this is where we have to bear down, just like the Badgers have to bear down if they had tied the number one ranked team in the country late in the game. This is the time to dig in and pull out the game. This is why every damn vote's going to matter this fall, right? And why I constantly harp on volunteering and uh, getting involved in this because we have a sophisticated plan that is both precisely going after the small group of persuadable and independent voters that do swing. There are still voters that swing, but there's a huge chunk of folks who we still don't know whether they're showing up or not. They live throughout the state of Wisconsin and we're going to be focused on getting uh, both of those groups out. Yeah, so let, please sign up. Let, let me say something about that. I can't, I'm going to be cryptic because I'm talking about non-public polling. One thing I observed in a bunch of non-public polling that we have access to, you won't find these in the papers, is some very moderate Democrats in our midst do get greater favorability ratings among independents, right? Because they're seen as more moderate. But very few of those independents ultimately change their vote over it. So that could be helpful in a close race. But the big question is turnout. And Matt, if we I don't know what we want to do after the break, but I think uh, President Biden, it's a brilliant stroke to combine climate change and the Inflation Reduction Act with student loan forgiveness, despite all the friendly fire on the Democratic side, because there's reason to believe that could energize young voters who are much less likely to vote in a midterm election, and, and especially young voters of color who are the most benefited by, frankly, both policies, but they know viscerally what they're going through on student loans, and true uh, as well, but probably uh, that, that's, a little, that's a little more remote than not be able to pay your, going into falling your student loan. Robert, it's time for your union break. Folks, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Robert has got his coffee with his break. We've got one more segment with you. And Robert, as you were saying, yes, yes, motivation is going to be critical. And our plans, look, we're, we are not just talking to those persuadables, a key critical component where our volunteers are going is into Eau Claire, into Wausau, into Green Bay, Appleton, into Milwaukee, all over into these areas where, you know, there are a lot of Democratic voters that it is not sure whether they'll be showing up, right? And so we're going to do both of the both of those really important uh, work in this election. So please sign up. Robert, it is not a week here at the battleground where we don't talk about the threat to the basic functioning of democracy here in the state and in this country, because it's just been so central. And I, I mentioned, I think um, a couple of weeks ago uh, that uh, threats to democracy is really risen as one of the top issues in the election. You mentioned climate change. Um, and this is, this is a, a real this is this is becoming more real to us every day right and 
this week, it, it, it doesn't, it, it just doesn't stop. Um, we had news, Robin Voss, Robert on Friday pulled the uh, subpoenas, uh, that Michael Gableman, his just completely embarrassing and, uh, disgraced person that, uh, former Supreme court judge, a laugher that is, uh, to oversee the sham review of the election. And then on Monday this week, a Waukesha judge dismissed the lawsuit. But uh, Robert, this stuff continues. We have this, we have ethics complaints. We have a federal judge going in and blocking our Supreme Court this week and its decision to uh, that didn't allow people with disabilities to even have people help return their ballots. Just it's it never ends. There's always news on this issue. Uh, Robert, your top thoughts on the threats to democracy this week. And you'll have seen it um, after when you hear this podcast, probably. But Thursday night, President Biden is going to have a primetime speech and address many of these topics. And he has now that he's got traction and his popularity has increased that he got through the congressional gridlock of Senator Joe Manchin. Uh, he is getting aggressive and stepping up. And so he, and in fact, being attacked by some moderates for being, using words like, like semi-fascist. It's an appropriate word. If you want to study, I've studied, I have a degree in political science. Well, look at the definition of fascism and look at the modern uh, MAGA Republicans. It, 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 it is political science, accurate fact check, true to say this is a now a semi-fascist party at the very least. You could go further, probably. I would say pre-fascist because they don't have all the elements of full fascism in power yet, but they have all the elements that lead there. Uh, and so there, you see it at a number of levels, Matt. I mean, there's the obvious. There is, uh, you know, the, the attempt to overturn this election in every which way possible and the continuing attack on it. Pre President Trump still thinks that Wisconsin uh, election in 2020 should be decertified. So does his hand-picked gubernatorial candidate Tim Michaels here in Wisconsin. You know, the problem is, is that they tried to take Robin Voss out and even though they almost did, they didn't get him. So now he is acting more like a mainline, like an older school Republican, a Walker school Republican, and not and, and dis, disassociate himself with Michael Gableman, firing him and now ending his erroneous subpoenas. Uh, but that doesn't end the threat. And if President Trump can regain control. I'm sure Michael Gaiman will have a position of great power and honor with his with within his new administration. Let's be clear. But I think a lot of this, Matt, has to do with a shredding of norms that has happened over a much longer period of time and that corporate America in many ways began. Matt, the ethics of union busting, it's Labor Day, right? Is we're going to flaunt the spirit of the law and use all of our excess money to fight lawsuits, to fight agency actions, in order to frustrate the idea that workers should have any right to organize and intimidate them. And we're going to fire people illegally and then just pay the fine. That is or, that, and that look is, it, it, exactly what Starbucks is doing, or even worse. Did you see Robert this week? They even suggested that they had um, uh, taken hostage one of the Starbucks. Uh, manager or executive which yeah just bizarre charge it's getting like MAGA charges <laughs> exactly. remember who funds the MAGA Republicans big corporations they are not against this they stand out of the headlines and let it look like it's just Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz those folks don't exist without the millions of dollars in donations to them and candidates and politicians like them 
And then this goes way back decades. So the decay of, if, if the history is written, the threat to democracy has been metastasizing in this country for 40 years, at least. And you, you just, and, and so when you see this ethics complaint against 15 lawyers that have participated in completely frivolous lawsuits trying to overturn the Wisconsin elections, you know, the idea behind professions with, uh, with norms and uh, governing bodies, legal professions, one medical profession, there are a lot of others, right? Was they'd be self-policing and they would, uh, and they would enforce professional norms. And yeah. we're not seeing that with the legal profession. I mean, why does really Giuliani have a law license ever, right? Anywhere. And this, this, uh, this complaint includes very influential lawyers like James Bopp, the Terre Haute, Indiana lawyer who was behind the whole attack on abortion rights over the years. He was advising lawyers on frivolous lawsuits to overturn the Wisconsin election. And the legal profession need, and this is, a, uh, this is actually an ethics charge within the legal professions uh, itself, uh, needs to start drumming these people out. But the, you can go across a lot of professions, a lot, you know, political consultants, Corporate America, the way it advertises, the way it's willing to rig the tax system and everything else and undermine workers, all of this stuff is the, is the elements that have led to this ultimate threat to democracy that's now visible to a lot more people. Folks, look, the only way you, we can push back against this is organization. I want to encourage you, if you have been a longtime listener to the show this Labor Day weekend, organization matters. Please join Citizen Action. We have organizing co-ops throughout the state that are member-led, that are, you know, involved in helping lead the work we do, involved in our endorsement processes. Please join our co-ops. We have one in Northeast Wisconsin in the Green Bay, Appleton area. We've got one in Central Wisconsin, Wausau area. If you live in the Stevens Point area, north of there, please join that co-op. Eau Claire area, in uh, Northwest Wisconsin, the Driftless region. If you live in the Viroqua Lacrosse area, or if you're all the way over into Sockville, please join our Driftless Co-op. And of course, um, our original co-op out of Southeast Wisconsin, we have a healthcare co-op. Please become a member. It's how we're going to fight back against the right wing and its efforts and what it's been up to. Robert? Yeah, one thing to follow up, Matt, on what you just said. I mean, since an action of Wisconsin's 40th year is next year, we were founded as the community ally of labor unions in the early 80s at a time when there was a very large, powerful labor movement in the state. And we were supposed to be the additional citizens army on the side to, to drive, it, drive us even further to be able to have a progressive state. And now all of our brothers and sisters in labor, they've been disappeared, right? They're not out in the field with us. If we had them out in the field with us, which we can get again with the upsurge, if we change the structures enough and back it up, uh, then we wouldn't have the threat of a Tim Michaels as governor. We wouldn't have this gerrymandered MAGA legislature. I'm telling you, the Wisconsin of greater labor density and grassroots activism, the progressive part of it like Citizen Action, that that would have prevented anything this bad from happening. The worst we would happen would, would be a Tommy Thompson of, the, of when he was governor. And so that I just want to call out that everyone who cares about politics, threat to democracy, they destroyed labor because it was about power. It's about power to rebuild organized labor. So folks, we have to be a part of that movement. 
rebuilding the labor movement, rebuilding people's organizations, building, I should say, building people's organizations like Citizen Action. So please join and get out this weekend. Go to Labor Fest, support, support your unions. Uh, and before we go, though, Robert, I do want to mention, I want to thank all of our members who last week were able to get on our Inflation Reduction Act training that uh, Robert and Karen led. It was excellent. And we have information. Uh, we have briefing papers, both on the important impacts uh, to climate and economic equity, healthcare, and tax fairness. Uh, and we'll have links to that on the pod. Uh, please take a look at that uh, and so that you can better understand and communicate the, the things that are in the Inflation Reduction Act, because we do think it's historic. We do think it'll be important in this election. So just wanted to thank Robert and Karen on our staff who helped lead pulling that together and everyone who was able uh, to participate in that. But folks, with that, we got to wrap up this week's Battleground Wisconsin. Everybody, please have a great Labor Day weekend. I want to thank our producer, Brian Woldridge, who makes the show happen every week. And we'll see you all next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin.